singing and carrying on and watching and wanting to run to Nana. And I wouldn't trade it for the world, do but, uh, We have a special joy tonight as we're here for the ordination of Roy Wesley. And, uh, I want to read just a, a couple of verses from Acts chapter 6. When the church was growing um, exponentially, it says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked from the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So the apostles were saying, we need some guys to work beside us. To love people and to carry forth the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so the word says, brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. I have been here for just over 12 years. And Roy's been here too. When the deacons meet together and we start talking about who we want to talk to about possibly serving and to pray about, we do not take that lightly at all. We are interested in a man who genuinely loves Jesus. We don't just want to fill a position with with a warm body. But we want someone who really loves the Lord. And I don't want to go in. I, I've just been able to watch him through the years. I've seen him help some people. And I'm not going to go into detail because people who really want to help people don't want everybody to know how they're helping people. Why? Because it's an offering to God. When you help people. Um, I've seen the way he's treated other people around here. I've watched him. I've heard him talk about in tears. How grateful he is. For God. And for people who have impacted him. Um, I have no trouble with this decoordination is what I'm trying to say. I'm grateful I'm grateful for Roy. I'm going to have a word of prayer and we'll jump into this. Master, we want your blessing, Father. We don't want to do anything, Lord, that is something we thought of. We believe, Father, that you have called this night, this service, this man to serve this body of believers, this church, and that this is all led by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we don't want to do this, Lord. And and we come with that conviction and that belief. And I just pray that as we continue on in this service, as we look at um, three temptations, Father, happen with spiritual leaders, (laughs) that you would guide us, Father, and that we would leave here grateful you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, When I was a teenager, 
I remember this Korean evangelist came to the church that uh, I was a part of. Man, he was a little short guy. You know, I was afraid. He had to kind of stand out here so you could really see him. You know, he'd get back here. It's really, I mean, he was. And uh, Dr. Billy Kim, although I, I think Kim must be a very common name in Korea because I've heard a lot of Kims. But I'll never forget, he, he, he stood up and, and he talked and uh, he was really funny. And he was trying, you know, he had that broken English. And he said, he said, God called me to preach. He said, me learn English language difficult. He said, I speak. And he said, man, come to me afterward. He said, you, Billy, you model preacher. He said, my head swell. I think, that good. He said this. So he said, but I went home. Check English dictionary. Read what motto mean. Motto means small imitation of real thing. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, though, guys, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are all small imitations of the real thing. And, and this is not about trying to elevate any one person. This is about somebody who is genuinely seeking the Lord Jesus Christ to follow Him and to be like Him. And so as a deacon, the word means servant. Roy is coming basically with the promises. I'm not perfect, but I'm His. And out of that, I will serve you. And I will serve my Lord. I want to share a, a quick uh, charge. And actually, it's not just Roy. It's to all of us. And I have never uh, preached this ordination service. You know, you have those things and they kind of go around in your head for years and years and years and years. Uh, back when the wheel was square and I was a youth minister, uh, I had a friend and he said, I can't remember now if it was his ordination or a friend of his. And he said, he'll never forget the ordination because it was three temptations. And I thought, well, I'm going to try my best to put some meat on this. But he said, here's the temptations. The temptation to whine. The temptation to shine. And the temptation to recline. And so that said, I, I just want to spend a little bit of time looking at these three. Not just for a leader, for a deacon. Actually, for all of us. The first one is the temptation to whine. I always think of Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, when I think about this temptation. You, you know how you have some verses in the Bible, there are times you almost wish that God would allow you to have an eraser to just take, because they're really convicting. This is one of those verses that convict me, and you'll see why. Uh, Philippians 2, 14, 15, do everything, not a few things, do everything without complaining or arguing. Really, it says that in the word of God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands and confess to me whether or not you keep this 100% of the time. Why? Because there's something within us that loves to complain. 
let me tell you about. Do not do it. Not just complaining, but arguing. I am right. I heard, uh, I think it was John Maxwell say one day, you can be all right and all wrong. The goal is, is not to argue. The goal is not to have my way. The goal is to have his way. And, and so the idea, he says, do everything without complaining or arguing. And what a picture we see in the, the rest of the verse. How are we described when we live that way? When we shut off the complaint train and see the blessings instead of the burdens. Some people can't get past the burdens. If you corner them, all they'll talk about is the burden. The burden, the burden, the burden. And you know what happens? It's like a friend of mine uh, that uh, was a preacher. He told me about this lady in his church that was like that. Man, she was the complaint train. And he said one day he was in the grocery store and he saw this lady. And you know what he did? He started running in the other aisles, looking around, making sure that she didn't see him. And do you know why? Because he knew that if she saw him, she was going to come over there and start complaining. That's exactly right. Okay, let's see what the word says. It tells us so that you may become blameless and pure. So that you might become the kind of person that blame doesn't go your direction. Not Thomas, not not Charlotte. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation. The time in which we live. And look what it says, in which you shine like stars in the universe. Uh, Roy, church, when we live like this, you stick out. You shine. So the temptation to whine. Secondly, the temptation to shine. There's something within us that our favorite words are personal pronouns. I, me, my, mine. It's all about me. We're selfish. We're self-serving. We're, our minds are upon ourselves. Turn me to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. A verse that gives us wisdom in this area of Facing the temptation to shine. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. First part of that verse. He says, by the grace given me. How do we combat the temptation to shine? We understand that James 1.17, it tells us, For every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. In other words, if you have anything in your life that is a blessing, 
If there is anything in your life that you are grateful for, it is not because of you. You are not the one shining. It is because of God. He is the source of our blessings. He is the one who sustains us. He is the one who gives us the blessing. There's a story about Abraham Lincoln where he encountered a very arrogant man who told President Lincoln, I am a self-made man, to which Lincoln replied, it's good to know it relieves God of a lot of responsibility. (laughs) Man, we are so much better off when we understand that we need God. That we're not enough. We, we need Him in our lives. Uh, second part of this verse, he says, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you all. In other words, don't let your head grow. Don't let it puff up. I love um, 1 Corinthians 8. I think it's verse 1. Anyway, it's somewhere in 1 to 3. and There's a part in there he says, um, Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You see, we're to love. It builds up the body of Christ. You know what knowledge does? And I think about a cheese puff. Cheese puff's mostly air. And what happens when we become puffed up? Um, full of knowledge. Here he says, don't think of yourselves more highly. than I think of that story of Steve Brown. I know I've told it a number of times. But Steve, at the time he was a pastor in Orlando, he was in the midst of this big campaign. He had all this pressure on him to succeed, and he was worrying about being a failure, and he was stressed all the time. And so he went to a friend of his, and he said, What am I going to do? I can't sleep. I can't rest. I'm I'm constantly anxious. What if I fail? What if God doesn't come through? And his friend looked at him, kind of yawned. He said, Look, Steve. God does not fail anybody. And I'm quite sure that if he's going to start, he'll start with somebody big, like maybe Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, I don't know. But not you, you're a little peon. (laughs) Just joking. But the truth of the matter is, God doesn't need any of us. To think of yourself more highly than you ought. And then third, to use sober, sober judgment to evaluate your worth. He says, but rather... Think of yourself with sober judgment. Sober judgment. Um, You see, the, the truth is sin has separated us from God. And the truth is every one of us needs a Savior. The point is not... Specific sins that we tend to get hung up on. Uh, the, the prayer retreat I went on. <laughs> I keep mentioning it. Uh, he talked about the prayer of the publican. And the, uh, and the sinner, you know. and uh, Or the Pharisee. Okay, anyway. The Pharisee, he's praying, you know. He's like, thank you God, I'm not like other men. Blah, 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 blah. Well, you know. And, and then this tax collector. Man, he is praying. He's, he's beating his chest. And he says... God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Don Pearson, he he said, he he didn't tell you what the sin was. He didn't catalog it, identify it. Why is that? 
Because that's not the issue. The issue is not what your sins specifically are. The issue is we all have sinned. The issue is that we all need a savior. You see, the fact is we, we're not to shine. We're to reflect him. Um, there's this thing by Max Lucado, and you know now that I think about it, it's too long. I read it. The, the the whole point of what he wrote, because he can just write it so much better than I can say it. But really, the whole point is, he was talking about the sun and the moon. The moon does not produce light. The reason we see the moon at night is because of the reflection of the sun on the moon. We are not. I'm not the Holy Spirit. You're not the Holy Spirit. We're not divine, but what we are, we house God himself and we reflect God. (laughs) We're not the source of the light. We are reflectors of that precious light. And so that's the temptation to shine. And then have one more here. The last one is the temptation (laughs) to recline. As I thought about this, I thought about how the scripture defines us. Uh, in James 4.14, it says, You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Or as was said at the, uh, uh, you know, the lay renewal weekend, that you know, on the tombstone where you have the birthday and the death date, and in between you got the little, that's your life. It's brief. Um, listen from Psalm 39, 4 and 5, and um, this is the common English Bible. Let me know my end, Lord. How many days do I have left? I want to know how brief my time is. <laughs> You've made my days so short, my lifetime is like nothing in your eyes. Yes, a human life is nothing but a puff of air. The temptation to recline in a brief life. So since life is brief, uh, what what should be the focus? Well, I thought of a a passage of scripture here. I'm just going to, it's Titus 2, 11 through 14. That I just want to share quickly. God laid it on my heart and um, powerful section of scripture. He says, for the grace of God, I'm just going to go little section by little section here briefly. I promise not to preach all night. (laughs) Um, First is to develop a sense of God's grace. Look, verse 11, he says, for the grace of God. Hebrews 12, 15 starts out and it says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. Time is short. Don't recline. What is what is the. What's the assignment, class? Do not miss the grace of God. I've told you, every good and perfect thing is every blessing, every, everything that is a gift, it is from God. It is a, a gift of His grace. Do not miss the grace of God. That handles the temptation to whine. Because you suddenly see how blessed you are. As a friend of mine says, if you're a vertical, I'm standing, <laughs> you are blessed. If you can leave a hospital of your own power, man, you're blessed. If 
if you had a meal today, <laughs> and we did, you are blessed. It, it, is, it is that understanding. Um, as I look at, at uh, our nation today, and we miss the grace of God. So a little mention of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I want, I want you to think about that. Just, just okay? Just stop a minute. Let's think. Let's put the thing cap on. He who knew no sin. Who is that? It's Jesus, right? He who knew no sin. What did he do? He became what? Yeah. Who did he become sin for? Got it? I don't want to go too fast. Think about it. He who knew no sin became sin. How's the verse end? So that we might become the righteousness of God. If that doesn't give you holy goosebumps, if that doesn't get you excited, as I like to say, check your pulse. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. That's what we're to be about. The gospel. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. It's the greatest trade, the greatest bargain in the history of all creation. That he who knew no sin became sin. <laughs> that I, totally undeserving, might become the righteousness of God. <laughs> I wrote a note here. Uh, I guess I'll move on to the next part. Because I said I was going through this verse. Um, the grace of God, what's it do? It brings salvation. Salvation's appeared to all men. That's what I'm talking about. And, and, and not only is it a salvation... Where we know heaven is our home when we die. It tells us here about how we live until that time we go to heaven. Verse 12, he says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. <laughs> it means that while we still are here, we will remember the grace of God. That he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. That that is seared into our hearts. <laughs> Simply put, if God is not in it, don't seek it. Don't say it. And I wrote here, don't soak in it. You see, if God is not in it, as Solomon says through the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, and the NIV it says everything is meaningless the ultimate meaning is God's grace. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This is what the church is about. We do good things for people, but the reason we do things for people is because the one who is good, God himself, did the ultimate good for us. See? That's, that's where it comes from. And, and then the verse ends. He tells us, <laughs> while we wait for the blessed hope, 
the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us, there it is again. To redeem us, there it is again, to become the righteousness of God. To redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people (laughs) that are his very own. Eager to do what is good. Roy, this is not just my call. It's not just your call. If you belong to Jesus, this is our call. But, uh, Roy, along with me, you're now a small imitation of the real thing. That's what uh, that's what we're doing here tonight. And uh, we're going to have an opportunity for a moment. And ask Roy and Annette to come up and... Uh, I'm going to ask those ordained, those deacons to come as we lay hands and pray with Roy and Annette as a way of just saying uh, we agree that God has called you and we're here to support you as together we support one another as we serve Jesus. So let's pray and then I'm going to I'm going to call Roy and Ned to come down. And the guys to get ready to lay hands. Father, this is holy ground. Um, I think sometimes we forget how holy it is. You don't come to Jesus until you hear Jesus call. makes it holy ground he speaks we hear but it's him when it's time to serve when it's a call to be a a deacon or or a missionary a a preacher and um, we're all called we're we're called to Jesus and and then we're called to go out for Jesus Um, here we are Lord we believe uh, in this call uh, to Roy you and us and Father, just um, may you be pleased with this time, Lord, of laying hands. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask Roy and Annette to come down here. I asked Roy how good his knees were, um, in case they're suspect, because that's pretty cruel. Uh, he said he thought they were okay. You know, I did see a pillow back there. Would it help if a pillow, or are you okay? You think you're okay? <laughs> Not too long. Not too long. Okay, so uh, you're not going to let me go? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, I'm going to ask, of course I'll ask an order beside him. I'm going to ask you to kneel down, Roy, and I'm, ask all the guys to come up as we take some time. Guys, help Moses up. <laughs> we want to present um, to your certificate of ordination to deacon ordination, and we we love you. I know people want to come up and let you know they love you. I'm going to ask Alan if he'll close us in prayer.